yes, yes. Back again, once again. No Chase Film Society, the podcast. Uh, thanking y'all, welcoming y'all. Uh, thank y'all for streaming us. And uh, as y'all can see, we're talking about the uh, Netflix film that came out this year. This year, maybe like last week or something. Uh, Coffee and Kareem. So I uh, appreciate y'all for clicking on us with that. But uh, as always, uh, I am Chris Ali. That's my name uh, on here as well as on IG. So find me on that. And on the other side of this podcast is uh, the head honcho himself, man. OTS head honcho, Big Derek. What's happening, man? What's going on, bro? Hey, man, here for another one. That's good. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This is, uh, we're back, I guess, back again with episode 14 or 14-ish, something like that. Yeah, well. Somewhere in that neighborhood. Well, we're on the second season now, so uh, this is what. Oh, that's right. Episode 9 of, of the second season, so. Yeah. Right, that's for all the Apple people, because I think Apple uh, podcasts are the only ones that really break it up in seasons. See, since I don't use Apple. Oh, I'm kind of yeah. off when it comes to the seasons. Yeah, that's right. So, that's right. To all of you Apple users out there, then I guess welcome to episode nine. <laughs> but to the rest of us <laughs> who's uh, not with the with the Apple podcast platform, I guess this is like in the 13, 14 episode. Either way, appreciate y'all for clicking on us and, and streaming with us with this one. So uh, we're going to get right into it, man, like what we do. Yes, sir. Uh, compare these notes. In day 20 plus of this quarantine that we've been under. Yes. Uh, you know, hope everybody's staying safe and secure out there from these cooties we got running around. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, that, was, that was something we <laughs> thought was made, made uh, make-believe as kids, right? Right, right. No. <laughs> Motherfuckers thought Michael Jackson was crazy, though. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he had the right idea. Yeah. He had the right idea. Yeah. Real. Yeah. So uh in all seriousness, man, this this is a this is a serious time. So, you know, watch yourselves out there, man. Watch who you lay up with and who you stand next to. Yeah. That's my advice. My, wash your hands. My notes. Definitely wash your hands. Wash your hands. Surprising you uh, to tell that to grown folks, huh? Really, really that's something we should have been doing, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, at the time we living in, man, and yep. uh, not not to be somber with the shit, but you know, I personally believe we we haven't really seen the worst of this shit yet. I don't think so either. You know, but hey, we got movies though. Yeah, so. yeah. That's the advantage to this. Yep. So, um, yeah. With that said, man, to everybody in the society, again, stay safe, and let's go ahead and compare these notes since we've been locked in the house. We ought to have a few things to talk about. I really haven't seen much though. Oh really? Since the last time we talked, um, no, I mean I saw the the feature that we're talking about today, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, that's really it, man. I mean, I, I just been kind of uh, catching up on some other things, you know, watching a lot of YouTube, which I do want to talk a little bit about that, mm-hmm. um, today because there's a particular YouTube channel that um that I guess you can say inspired a lot of my conversation that I want to have. But um, other than that, man, no, D, you got it, bro. So what's what's up? Have you? <sighs> well, us, man. When uh, we're recording this Tuesday, uh, April what seventh? Um, yeah. On Sunday, HBO premiered a documentary that um, I was excited to watch. Uh, well, excited to start. 
because uh, I don't know how many episodes will be in this season, in this uh, series, but it's Atlanta's missing and murdered the lost children. Okay, the Wayne Williams. The Wayne uh, Williams, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, now I, I heard a um I was I listened to a podcast um, like I think maybe like a year and a half ago. I think it was called Atlanta Monster or something like that. It was mm. based it was based on this. Um, and, you know they told the entire story. But it's different when you get to see the faces. Right. Because it, it, it was, when I listened to the podcast, it was like, it was one thing, you know, it was, it was impactful. But when you can put the faces to the names of the kids mm-hmm. and also to, to Wayne Williams, it's very, very interesting. Mm. And, and seeing the, the mother's um, on there as well. They, they they actually interviewed a few of them. Um, I would recommend watching it, especially at this point in time, because uh, HBO is doing this thing where there's no subscription that's required to mm-hmm. watch their, their content. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're doing that for the entirety of this um, quarantine. This quarantine. Yeah. yeah. So I would recommend for everyone that's listening to go out and watch this. Um, it It... They dive real deep into this. They dive deeper uh, into this this story than uh, the podcast did. So tell me what what you already knew, I guess, about the story and some of the things you discovered um, new in in this particular documentary. Because I've been, you know, I'm from we're, we're from we're in Georgia, and mm-hmm. me being from Atlanta, mm-hmm. um, I would like to say that I've been pretty exposed to um, to a lot of the information regarding the Wayne Williams case. Mm-hmm. But I know I, there may have been something that that has been recently developed or whatever. So just kind of tell me a little bit about what you didn't know or what you newly discovered about it about yeah. the case. Well, story wise, I, I knew that uh, Wayne Williams was the guy that um, that was the primary suspect um, right. for the murders. I from the podcast didn't think he he was responsible for. If, uh, all of those murders, maybe maybe mm-hmm. a few of them, but mm-hmm. not all of them because I forgot how tall he is, but he's a short guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just doesn't make sense that he was able to do all that, especially by himself. Um, now, what I discovered just from this one episode, I think was more so about how lax Maynard Jackson was. Mm-hmm. Um. I didn't realize that he was so um, withdrawn from the situation because he wanted to protect the identity of the city more so than the people uh, at that time. Um, So that was very interesting. Um, But outside of that, I don't think the first episode really showed me more than what I knew at at that point. But it was very interesting to see everything. Um, mm. I would recommend watching it. And, and what is this? Where, where, where can I find this? HBO. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I uh, I uh, have I actually have a subscri- subscription to uh, HBO now anyway. Um, so I I would suggest going to to look at that because that that's that's a very very interesting story, and it, it shows why. Um, it's important for us to be involved with politics anyway. Mm-hmm. But I think one thing that um, actually kind of struck me 
uh, very odd was that um, there was a group, I think called the Guardian Angels from New York, mm-hmm. that um, you know wore red berets and stuff like that, and came mm-hmm. down here to teach people how to defend themselves and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm trying to figure out what the difference was between their mission and the Black Panther mission. Because for the most part, the Black Panthers were, their goal was the same thing, to to have us be able to protect ourselves, um, you know, in, in the light that we don't have much protection from, from mm-hmm. the, the, the cops or whatever. Um, That's an interesting observation. I never really thought about that. Yeah. That. That, that low correlation between the two of them. I just know the Guardian Angels are predominantly white. That's and and, and, and that's that's why and I think it was different. York, I believe. Yeah. I want to. They're, they're New York based. Yeah. 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 They they had a few black people in there, but it was predominantly predominantly white. And okay. That's what I'm 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 very interested in knowing why everyone was more willing to gravitate toward them and their goals versus the Black Panther. Right, you know, um, that that's that's what actually irritated me watching this. Right, um, but yeah, definitely recommend watching it. I know, I know, that you know the Wayne story. That Wayne Williams story has has um have some has some uh areas to it that I never really heard explored the way I want to. Mm-hmm. You know, growing up hearing hearing about that story, my father uh, used to tell me about. His idea, because I think right around time that 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 kind of popped off like late seventy nine, right? Yeah, Up maybe the early eighties. Seventy nine um, to eighty two, I think. Eighty two. Okay, so yeah. I was um, very recently born during that period, so I, I didn't, I don't have a memory of that time. Mm-hmm. But um, my father used to tell me some things about that case that always, you know, stuck out to him. So therefore, over the years, him mentioning it because. One thing I will say about this story, it, it's pretty much a black eye on Atlanta. You know, it, it's it not really is. it's not very uh, obscure. It's a pretty it's pretty much out there. You yeah. know, and they do revisit this story um, often. Mm-hmm. But there's one thing that's not really talked about, and that is there was a lot of speculation during that time, during the during the height of this 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 shit when it was happening, mm-hmm. um, where a lot of people were implementing implicating the KKK. In yeah, this. yeah, and, and they talk about that. Talk, okay, well, yeah. good. That well, now, then I'll check it out because yeah. um, I kind of want to just agree and, and kind of piggyback on a little bit of what you were saying. I didn't know he was a short guy, Wayne Williams. Mm-hmm. Well, and he is still alive, uh, to what I understand. Yeah, right? he's he's still in jail. Yeah, I didn't know he had a small stature, but I do know that a lot of people um, at that time did not believe that one man could could commit all these acts. You know the way mm-hmm. it was happening. Mm-hmm. So, well, if, if that element is going to be explored, then yeah, I'll check it out because I, I'm inclined to believe, based on my understanding of the history, um, that there was some, definitely some outside force, a lot more organized and a lot more engineered mm-hmm. that pulled that shit up, instead of just one lone black guy. And, and and a lot of people don't realize he's not in prison for like all of those kidnappings. They only got him locked up for maybe like one or two, yeah, right? Yeah, I think it's about That's two. It. That they had shabby evidence on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so, it's about two that they, they decided to say, hey, this has to be the guy, and made him out to be the, the killer. Right. Um, 
I don't know that that's true. I really don't know that that's true. Uh, I think I want to say he's about five six. So are you inclined to believe that Wayne Williams is innocent after watching it? Well, they don't actually in this first episode they don't talk much about Wayne. Oh, okay. So it's, it's broken down in episodes. It's broken it's a... in episodes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think they're going to talk more about him in the next episode because it seemed like in the second half of the the episode they um, started talking about him a little more. But this wasn't a Wayne Williams episode. This was the black children Mm -hmm. being killed and Maynard Jackson's um, um, slow reaction Mm -hmm. to all the the, the killings. This this was more so he has He has always received a lot of criticism uh, for his response to that. You know, yeah. Mayor Jackson. Yeah. You know, who was the first black mayor of Atlanta? Right. Yeah. And and they have they have Shirley Franklin on there, uh, Monica Kaufman, Franksky. Mm-hmm. Um, for all those listening, those are big Atlanta figures. Uh, right. Shirley Franklin was uh, the mayor. <laughs> in what the early nineties, mid nineties? I want to say late nineties. Late nineties. Yeah, late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, she was the first black woman mayor. Yes, Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. and um, Keisha Keisha Lance Bottoms is on here as well. Okay, and she's actually talking about now because I know when she entered office, she's pretty newly elected. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when she entered office, she said that she was going to apply some technology, some newfound technology that could possibly exonerate uh, Wayne Williams. I don't know what that's how that's happened. I don't um, either. But yeah, she that was one of the things I want to say right when she got in office, she mentioned that she was going to um, use some uh, newfound technology or some forensic shit mm-hmm. that that could possibly, you know, vindicate him. So, yeah, yeah. And and she actually opens up the episode. OK. Yeah. So okay. they they're there. This is um, because she did a press conference, I think, at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. maybe late last year. Um but they had a press conference discussing this entire uh, situation. I think Wayne had uh, filed an appeal or something like that, mm-hmm. um, and and I think his motion was denied. So they discussed this. They're, they're, this this is like updated stuff. So this mm-hmm. is this is a very interesting take on it. Um, they they definitely talk about the KKK. Okay. Yeah. They I'm gonna check it out, man. So that's on HBO. What's the name of it? Atlanta's missing and murdered the lost children. All right, noted. So that's yeah. uh that's that one on HBO, and I still gotta get around to the Tiger King man. I see that's dominated a lot of bro a lot of conversation. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm gonna get around to that. I haven't got around to that yet. So hopefully by next podcast I'll have something to contribute about those two uh, documentaries. But yeah, I have I, I haven't got around to them yet. Definitely watch Tiger King. That mess yeah, is that's funny. It's that's funny coming. and and unexpected. I'll just say right. that. All right. Yeah. Yeah. My son told me a little bit about it. Uh, I've been here. I've been seeing it all over social media. So, you know, that that, that I give up. I'm gonna check it out. I'm gonna check it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. I also watched this movie um, on uh, Amazon Prime. Okay. Called uh, Midsummer. Have you heard of that? I've been seeing it uh, all over my Amazon Prime. They've been recommended to me like every other day. I don't watch that. Don't. <laughs> I I I got, 
I don't usually get nauseous with things that I watch. I have a pretty good tolerance. Um, you know, now I will say when it comes to seeing, you know, murdered kids or something like that, I, I that's I don't want to see that. Here we go. But <laughs> and Here no, we go. no, that's that's they, now they did show pictures of that in in the uh, Atlanta <laughs> missing in uh, uh yeah that I that mean... that yeah they showed that, but in midsummer, um, this is the one with the female as the cover, right? With the flower, yes. Okay, I'm gonna make yes. sure because I, I had to make sure you weren't saying midsummer. No, mid midsummer. Okay, gotcha. Um. You know what it reminded me of? A bad remake of Get Out from a white perspective. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that sounds about nauseating. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and, and you know, these people go to um, Scotland for a trip. And, you know, there's only one black guy that's going with, like, a group of four other white people. Mm-hmm. And it's a nightmare uh, experience over there. So you, I'm pretty sure you from that brief description, you can pretty much gather how this whole thing went. Um, they were very graphic, and I, I on, honestly wanted to turn it off. Right. I honestly, I don't even know why people thought this was a good movie. This was, this was disgusting and confusing because I don't know what these white people are doing in this cult it's basically a cult so it's a cult okay yes and and i i'm confused as to why certain things are happening maybe it's because i'm a black man in a city i don't know (laughs) (laughs) but it weirded me out it weirded me out and rihanna actually apologized for recommending it (laughs) (laughs) so the movie's about a white cult Essentially, yes. yes. Okay, I mean, I like cult movies. I would, I wouldn't mind checking it out from there. Are they doing like torturous shit to each other? There's torture because white stuff. people torturing yes. each other is pretty amusing too. Yeah, yeah. Well, check it out. Check it All out right. then. Check it out then. We can talk about it next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know about that. I, I mean, I, 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 with all the child abduction, child abuse shit that you got on my itinerary already, um, I don't know if I want to fit in the. The abuse of cultic white people yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pace yourself. Yeah. Let me get the child <laughs> let me get the child cruelty out of the way first. Let me take that in, process that shit. Then uh yeah, we'll we'll make my way over to that. But no, I have been seeing that though. They they've been recommending the hell out of that. Yeah. It stays on my recommend list or whatever when yeah. I go on Amazon. So Yeah, I'm, I'm confused. What you talking about? I'm I'm so confused about it. <laughs> hey, speaking of cults, I I'm 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 not trying to do Tyler Perry bashing, seriously, but I'm just curious. I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm just curious, bro. Have you seen um, the movie, the, not the movie, the TV show that he has on BET Plus? Nope. Which is the, uh, well, I'm at, I know you haven't seen it. I'm asking, have you heard of it? Because that, that, what, what are they? It's a, it's, a, it's a TV show that he has on BET Plus uh, that's supposed to be based on a cult, like a black cult. Now that you mentioned cult. You kind of brought it to my attention. Yeah, I think it's really? called Rufus. I've been seeing it like advertised, like you know, out in public and shit. So, uh, <laughs> and I remember the character um, that's supposed to be one of the characters on this show is actually a spinoff 
from the White House show he has. Uh, Oval. The Oval. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, he has some spinoff show from The Oval that's streaming on BET Plus, which is actually based on a black cult. Uh. I I am I'm a little curious. <laughs> I'm a little, I'm not lying to you, man. I'm I'm a little curious as to Tyler Perry's uh perspective on black. <laughs> uh, see, I didn't I never knew about that. I don't I don't pay attention to BET too much. Um Well it's not like I don't watch BET either too much, but it's uh like if you go out, yeah, you know, I know you, you haven't been outside much. No, I haven't. My team, but yeah, I, I I peeked my head out a couple times, and um, yeah, I see the billboards. He has some show. It's called Ruthless, um, and it's supposed to be based on a black cult. I looked it up. Oh, and hold I, on, I have seen I have seen advertisement for Ruthless. I didn't know that's what that was. Yeah, it's a black cult. Tyler Perry's perspective uh, on black cults. Hmm, and that's a, yeah, that's a series. It's a series on B I'm on BET Plus, which I'm not gonna stream. I'm not buying that shit. <laughs> watch it, but you know, I I, I am curious as to uh, as the story he's telling with that, you know, because that that's that's always been an interest of mine. You know what I mean? How how cult how cult leaders develop their mindset, and then the shit that they say that attracts people mm-hmm. um, to these occultic uh, places and and psychologies and all that like I'm, I'm pretty interested in that just in general so um yeah that 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 just looked very interesting when, when i saw that i might i might check that out yeah i think it comes with a free trial so i don't know maybe we can we can check it out i might tr- i might try it um because awesome. that that is a different take uh tyler the perry with a black colt that is a very different take right yeah right yeah uh-huh. it just got my attention it really got my attention Okay. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm down to check it out. I don't have a problem with that. Well, no promises, man. Yeah. It's just, it's just, <laughs> it's, I mean, I still, I still can't last any longer. I'm sure yeah. we a lot of shit. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we'll see how it go. You know? Yeah. Maybe yeah. it's the cabin fever talking. It probably is. Yeah. But hey, you never know that that leads to a lot of different things. So, um. That no, could, this that could be... very, but though, and that goes into what I want to talk about mm-hmm. also with the YouTube thing. But go ahead, though. I don't want to cut you off. No, I was just saying, it, it, it could lead you into finding different um, different shows or movies that you may not have normally watched that could actually yeah. be good. So, right. yeah, I'm, I'm down to try it out, see see what it's like. We'll see. Yeah, We'll see how it works. But, um, so, yeah, speaking of that, you know, in that since we're in that neighborhood, um, I told you that I haven't really watched too much TV. Mm-hmm. Um maybe one or two movies that we've already discussed. That's pretty much as far as I've gone. But, you know, I'm a big YouTube head, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of uh, YouTube personalities I follow, um, I tend to, you know, bring a lot of the content or a lot of ideas that I bring to this show normally comes from different figures and different personalities I come across on YouTube, you know, and I try to give credit where credit is due for everybody um, who gives me insight or inspires me in whatever direction. Right. Well, there's one particular channel, and I think I have mentioned them on here before, and I still mention them as somebody y'all need to go check out and even subscribe to. But there's a channel called Real Black. That's R-E-E-L Black. I know I've talked about them on here before. Mm-hmm. Um, very good channel. And I, and I take my head off to them when it comes to uh, archival type of content when it comes to black culture, particularly black film. 
Um, they're real big on, on archival footage and archival documentaries and also just old movies, you know, historical movies, black movies that I've never heard of, you know what I mean, from black talent that I've never heard of. So they, they have a, 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 just a treasure trove of, of content over there that you can go through and just just kind of learn a different aspects, different angles of black culture. However, right, mm-hmm. um, I was listening to them recently um, as recent as today, as a matter of fact. And one of the, the creators on there, um, I believe his name is Mike, had uh, a brother on his live stream. And I used a term last week uh, on the last podcast, rather, that I actually, uh, I was familiar with growing up, but I actually heard used um, by this particular, and I'll call him a film historian. The term I used last week, if y'all remember, was technology, mm-hmm. right? Which you know is a, is a term that you know is is relatively a creation of um, Elijah Muhammad and the Nation of Islam, but he determined and applied it to some of the uh, delusions and deceptions that you find in cinema. Right, and that's actually to me a very applicable term to that to that you know technology because, and I'm gonna get into that actually a little, little bit later on with this uh, coffee and cream film that we're talking about later on. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, so Real Black, the channel Real Black on YouTube and uh, the the brother Mike, who I don't know, never met these guys in my life. I just know, know them through their work. So my criticism that I'm about to aim at them is purely based on their work. Okay. And, and based at, you know, uh, something that just left a bad taste in my mouth uh, as a, you know, black filmmaker, a black film watcher, uh, some would say cinephile, you know, in in a proper sense, you know, I, I really have an attraction to film. Mm-hmm. So when I hear certain perspectives from black people, particularly uh, black men who are leading thought, you know, leading thought uh, and leading opinion when it comes to film, when I hear certain perspectives that to me sound as if uh, there's a compromise um, as far as our expectation as black film lovers, black filmmakers, uh, whatever, you know, it, it bothers me, it yeah. irritates me. And and that's kind of what I walked away with from this channel. And I don't want to be at the channel. That's not my perspective. Like these brothers have never met me. I never met them, never came across them personally there in my life. So it's obviously not personal, but as somebody who subscribes to the channel and, and, and you know, enjoys the content from it, uh, there was one particular stream they did where they had a conversation. It was uh, the brother, uh, I think his name is Charles. He's an elder brother who is uh, has a lot of content on that channel and on, on YouTube in general, where he's giving perspective on film criticism. And then Mike, uh, he's like the curator of the run. He, he's the guy that runs the channel. Mm-hmm. Much respect to them, but they were expressing an opinion where, you know, there were it was certain movies out here, say for instance, like Harriet. Right, that we that we were pretty honest about on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, even though we've never seen it, I was pretty honest that that I was in no hurry to see it, based on the, the information that I've already gotten from the movie and what I know of the storyline right. already. Right. Um, I think they mentioned another film, uh, the Madam C.J. Walker film, which again I haven't seen that. That's on Netflix. Yeah, um, I've heard things mixed about that. I've heard. That. Yeah, very mixed reviews. It, but see, it's funny because you you, you hear the same shit. Yeah. About these movies. And so as a as a mature film watcher, you know, not a novice, not just somebody's watching movies for entertainment, right. you already know what you're getting into. Oh yeah. You, so it's no rush to watch them. 
So people can save the shit about where well, you are now until you watch it, bullshit. You know, I, I don't I don't want to have that conversation because to me that's a remedial conversation. You know, if you if somebody is has a history of dogging out your mama, dogging out your brother, dogging out your family, right? Mm-hmm. You have an individual, whether it's a neighbor, whether it's another family member from a distant family relative, and you and they have a history mm-hmm. of, of dogging out your immediate family, dogging out your interests or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And you have another relative that brings you some information about that relative or about that friend that you know so-and-so said this about you. You know so-and-so said You kind of expect it after a while. You kind of can expect and identify with the, the criticism that that negative family member has been given. Am I making sense with that? It's a pattern. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a yeah. pattern that there's there. So I don't have to hear every damn thing fresh from their mouth. Right. You know what I'm saying? In order to believe or to have some validity that their criticism was aimed at towards me or their view of me. You see what I'm right. saying? Right. A person will show you who they are based on the, uh, their body of actions. Mm-hmm. Hollywood has shown us what they want us to look at ourselves as. Oh, yeah. Through their hundreds of years. You know, I want to say well over a hundred years of the images they've allowed to 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 represent us. Right. So you know, I don't have to sit down and watch Madam C.J. Walker in its entirety, which I probably eventually will. But I don't have to sit down and watch the Harriet Tubman film in its entirety in order to have an opinion based on the the the, the energy and the comments that of those have already seen it. I already know what's going on. Right. I already know what I'm walking into. Right. So. I'm saying all that to say this. Um, the brothers were having the conversations, and one of the things that uh, one of the creators said of the, of the channel, I think, again, I believe his name is Mike. Mike D, I believe his name is. Uh, again, much respect to him, but one of the things that he was doing on his on his show was he was say, basically saying, I'm not going to criticize a filmmaker, because the film in question was the Madam C.J. Walker film. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to reserve criticism of that film, as he wanted to kind of reserve criticism of the Harriet film because uh, of the director and I believe the producer involved, whose name I believe is Cassie or Casey Lemons, mm-hmm. right? She's very well circulated uh, filmmaker. But at the same time, uh, if you continue to watch the show, you'll hear him kind of give a little bit of criticism towards another film that we discussed on this podcast last week, which was Uncorked. You know, oh, yeah. so I, I heard him give criticism, a little bit of criticism towards that film, but he wanted to reserve his criticism towards the films of a particular uh, filmmaker by the name of Cassie Lemons. And see, that to me is where the games come in at, among those of us who really stand on the vanguard of, of really trying to see better images coming to our community. Yeah. That's where the bullshit comes in at, because we make exceptions for people. Or we make exceptions for our favorites or of our, or our particulars or whatever, for whatever personal circumstance that we have related to us, and I think it sends a mixed message when you have uh, black scholars, black film tastemakers, or whatever you have, you want to approach it mm-hmm. that want to be uh, mealy mouth with the criticism that we give. Right. Uh, Cassie Lemons needs to be held accountable for the images that she portrayed in Harry. And I personally feel like she got off a little bit. Yeah. Um, for, yeah. for the images that I know were in that movie. Yeah. That's why I'm I'm slow and I'm 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 just really not particularly even interested in seeing this 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 uh Octavia Spencer film with Madam CJ Walker. Because mm-hmm. it's the same shit. It's it's technology, is is 
engineered uh, self-destructive images, which are subconsciously meant mm -hmm. to to keep us in the status quo. Yeah, you know. So I, I, I'm expressing frustration today, basically. If you can't tell already, oh yeah, I'm expressing <laughs> frustration because yeah. you know we, we 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 engage in bullshit when it comes to our cultural expressions, and we act as if we have a culture that we care about. But when it comes down to really being aggressive, and even dare I say it, revolutionary, um. With our approach to it, you find that we 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 kind of go into the status quo a little bit. We go into the norm. Either yeah. we want to cut ourselves off from the Hollywood machine and do something on our own, or we don't. Right. That's that's where it is. Either we want to buck Hollywood, and as Public Enemy said, you know, years ago, "Burn Hollywood, burn." Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't a very good song, but it was a good message. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, you know, the, the, it's it's either all or nothing. Yeah, we no. need to take control, total control of our image, and that comes with holding people responsible, whether they're black or not. Cassie mm -hmm. Lemon, Spike Lee, who I got some words for him too. Um, whoever the filmmaker is, yeah. if you're black and you are complicit with the white power structure of Hollywood, particularly, mm -hmm. if you're complicit with them with these images, we need to hold your ass accountable. We don't need to be, well, I don't want to give criticism because it may hurt the opportunity. Bullshit. Yeah. In all actuality, I'm, I'm, I'm at this place with it. I'm cool with black opportunity being hurt in Hollywood. I'm kind of okay with that. Mm -hmm. Me too. Because maybe that's what it's going to take for us to say, you know what, let's get our own circle together. Let's do our own shit and, and maybe have a little bit more control over the stories we want to tell. Right. Because there's only so much queen and slim criticism that I could give. Yeah. Yeah. In a civil capacity. Yeah. You know, most definitely. And and, and putting black films, uh, filmmakers or black faces behind the camera doesn't mask that. No. You know, that... it pisses me off, man. Because it's like we're playing games. Right. It really is like we're playing games. There's an image. I'm going I'm to let you have the floor there for this. But there's an image that I have uh, on the NC Film Society. That's No Chase Film Society Instagram page. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to go on Instagram, add us on there. Please do. It's appreciated. If you go to NC Film Society on Instagram, there's an image that I have up right now of uh, Malcolm X holding the camera. Right. Um, pretty random image. I don't know the history behind the image. I found the image. I saw it. And I thought that it represented something very, very strong as far as where my mind is and where I want to say that this film society somewhat stands on. And that is telling black stories from the mind of an independent black perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, Malcolm X with a camera, you know, that image to me represents that. Right. That, you know, Malcolm X, even though, you know, we can find criticism in his message, um, even though we can find criticism in uh, some of the things that he's represented, that's that's fine. But if there's one consistency to his message that, that, will, that I will always stand on and that I feel like will live forever is that he was one that taught we did not have to be afraid of white people. We did not have to be afraid of white consequences. Right. And that there was a detriment to being afraid of white consequences. So that's what that image represents to me. And that is the only perspective, that is the only philosophy, that is the only uh, thought foundation that will change how we are culturally viewed until we take over our cultural image. Right. I believe it there for a minute and let you have it. No, I completely agree with that. That's actually why I say the things that I say about Tyler Perry. Exactly. That That's exactly why. Because the idea that we're going to be able to change um, where we are as black 
uh, artists in film um, by staying with the status quo is is it's a trash thought. It, it really it's really sad that that um, in 2020 we're still in this stagnant place of trying to figure out who our leaders are are going to be like who's going to lead this next revolution who's going to be able to to help us have an identity and and be able to help unify us all we're not united and that that's the re- that's the reason why we we're so um <clears throat> some of us are over here thinking in one way and some of us are over here thinking of thinking another way like we're so split and can't agree on anything because we have different um, um, we have different things that that we have as as priority, and if we're going to actually be able to, as black filmmakers, be able to tell our own stories the right way, um, we have to be able to break away from from Hollywood. That's that's literally it. We can't care about winning Oscars and all this other stuff, and, and exactly and wanting exactly. to stay here. It's got to be all or nothing, man. It's all or nothing. You know, it's got to be all or nothing. We're either going to stay with this or we're going to move on from this. There is no in-between. It's black or white. You're doing it or you're not. And and, and the consequence to that is, I'm not to cut you off. No, you're good. But and a, and a byproduct of that is, if you are black, I don't give a damn how black you are, mm-hmm. all right? Mentally black. I don't give a damn how physically black you are. It makes no difference to me mm-hmm. how black you are. If you are attached to that machine, yeah. if you are codependent on that machine, yep. if you are directly or indirectly benefiting that machine, you will get treated like that machine. Oh, yeah. There, there is no more, you know, riding the fence where we don't want black people to get hurt and black people need jobs. and all. I don't give a shit anymore about the black money, the little trinkets of black money, that we are getting from this this behemoth of Hollywood, which is constantly and annually and religiously showing us in these derogatory images. I don't care. I mean, maybe that needs to sound a certain way to get people's attention, and maybe people deem that as just, you know, whatever type of uh, aggressive talk. I, I don't care how it's deemed. I, I believe it, and I stand on that, that revolutionary type thinking is the only thing that's going to revise us culturally, and really socially, mm-hmm. but this is a film-based show, mm-hmm. so we're going to keep the shit <laughs> film-related. That yeah. you know, Until there is a revolutionary mindset of black people moving through Hollywood and dominating the Hollywood scene, bold enough to disattach from it, mm-hmm. we're going to keep getting the same shit. So um, I just have to say to a message that uh, the real black uh, YouTube channel was putting out today that I saw, and it's on their channel, you can check it out, um, the brother was was kind of was kind of uh, low key and, and 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 nervous to give criticism towards Cassie Lemons for images that black people were clearly criticizing. Mm-hmm. You know, on his platform, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, that bothered me. And then you know to hear the other brother who and and these are brothers who I've listened to extensively. Right. You know, um, particularly Charles, uh, brother Charles Woods is his name. Charles mm-hmm. Woods, um, elder brother in the game. Don't know me from shit. But I know him through his work, mm-hmm. and I, I have to say he's pretty on point with his with his perspective, and he has a keen eye in, in picking out a lot of the shit that this that this Hollywood machine 
tends to feed us. This side knot bullshit. Right. That tends to feed us. You know, he, he's able to pick that up. Right. But um, it disappointed me, man. It disappointed me to, to hear, uh, you know, there was a reservation to to address the bullshit of films for whatever reason. I personally feel because of a relationship you may have with these people uh, on or off the record. I'll just say it like that. I, I don't know, but it just shows to me that we're compromising too easily. And yeah. I want to nip it in the bud early when I see it. I don't want to wait until it becomes a huge problem because nobody deserves a pass. Mm-hmm. It, no matter who you are, nobody deserves a pass when you are complicit to images that show our people in negative lights. When it's due to the image or the agenda of white supremacy. Now, I understand mm-hmm. certain images that are shown of us are necessary images. You yes. know what I'm saying? To tell a necessary story. I'm not foolish when it comes to that. Yeah. But you have to know the difference. You have to know when the image is meant to reinforce a negative stereotype for the sake of white supremacy. You have to be able to know the difference. No, I, I and, agree with um, that. I, I, I say unplug the whole damn thing. But mm-hmm. with that said, I want to move into... The, the the second part of my frustration with all this is that, you know, it's unfortunate that, you know, I have to be one of the ones and you have to be one of the ones to kind of give this criticism because there are others out there like Spike Lee who have the platform, who have the, the artistic authority mm-hmm. and the artistic merit to address shit like this. But instead of doing that now I took it easy on Spike last week I I, I really did man yeah Be- because because of my respect for Spike but I'm I'm kind of backing off of that shit right about now yeah. um like I said man Sp- Spike is one of those guys that as and me me speaking personally as a black man gave me insight into a black man's ability right um in, in the creative lane of filmmaking that I Never knew existed. Spike is responsible for that in my life, personally. I will always give him credit for that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as I became a man and as I grow to become more of a man um, and I observe the work of a person like Spike Lee, I'm starting to see, man, that he's one of them ones that, are that, are that is that sad case, that sad, sad story of the money pretty much desensitizing you to the reality of your people. Yeah. And the reality of what's going on around you. Um, this man, in case we don't didn't know, it did last week I expressed a little frustration that he's gonna put out his damn Jackie Robinson script. I, I don't know why, you know, why we need to see it, but he wants to put out his Jackie Robinson script as a way to, to let us know what could have been. Mm-hmm. When you only showing me that you you've been bitched out of your ambition consistently in your career. That's the way I interpret that. Yeah. And I I didn't even I, I mentioned it last week, you know, but I really, really want to mention it this week because of something else I saw him do. But yeah, man, you, you got to do that. That that really, and I, he got that short man complex real bad. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm really, I'm really believing that as well. And with all the tough talk that he likes to try to uh, aim at white people, it's a facade because he loves white people. He yeah. loves the white establishment. He yeah. he loves the white money, and that's why he plays games with speaking out on black issues. Mm-hmm. So you release a Jackie Robinson script that the script that could have been bullshit. It only shows me, like I said, that you have. No artistic aggression. You have no artistic uh, revolutionary approach to what you do. You kind of play by the game, and you bitch and moan just loud enough to get a, get a movie promoted or to get your attention across. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So here we are now, again, Spike, you know, well, about a week later, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, doing the social media surfing or whatever. And here's Spike again, busting shots at Bill Cosby. 
I, I mean, I this don't, week? I don't know. Yeah, like this week, he he released some tweet basically talking about um, that Bill Cosby stole the idea of different world from his film School Days oh, come because on. his casting director Robbie Reed pretty much casted School Days and turned around and casted a uh, different world. And he just went on about how, you know, how School Days was before Different World and Bill Cosby jacked him. His words. Bill Cosby jacked him for the idea. Right? This is this is this is a, a motherfucker who who made a Shakespearean bomb. I thought it was bullshit, but you 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 made a Shakespearean uh version I forgot the story, D, but what he turned into Shaw Ray. <laughs> oh, I never even watched that. I, you know, re- and, I refuse. And, and you have spared yourself some bullshit. You know? <laughs> I mean, come on, Spike, man. Is this what you're going to do with your legacy, man, at these twilight years of your life? Right. You know, I mean, you're facing the end of your days. You know, I'm not saying I want Spike to die. I'm mm-hmm. not seeing a Spike dying or nothing like that. But I'm saying Spike is definitely closer to the grave than he is the wound. Yes. So is this is this the direction you want to go in? You know, you got kids that are about that are pretty much adults now that's coming up behind you. Is this the foundation you're leaving them to bitch and moan, to cry, you know what I mean, and to to point at white people about what they haven't done for you? Yeah. Yeah. When the resources that you've been given as a black filmmaker are unprecedented. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. There's no excuse. There's no excuse. There should have Spike should have been Tyler Perry before Tyler Perry. Yeah. He should have been the one to lay the groundwork for Tyler Perry. Most definitely. But, you know, but you use your opportunities to take shots. I mean, Bill Cosby, what the fuck? What what type of target is Cosby? (laughs) He's blind. He's in jail. (laughs) He's 80 plus years old. What fucking threat is Cosby right now? Why was it? Why is it necessary for everybody to pile on Cosby? It's the same old Negro bullshit. Whoever the white man says pile on, we pile on. Whatever the white man considers trash, we consider trash. And I don't mean to be hyper-racial. I'm not trying to go hyper-racial on here, but this is what you get from Ali on No Chase. You get Derek from No Chase, and you get Chris from No Chase. Yeah. And Chris is hyper-black. You feel yeah. what I'm saying? And yeah. I'm very observant <laughs> when it comes to things with my people. And yeah. when and Spike is still my people. I love Spike as a black man. But mm-hmm. I'm disappointed in Spike as an artist and really a, as, as a man. Yeah. You know, I mean, you you, you kicking and screaming for Madison Square Garden tickets and shit. <laughs> yeah, but you can't get a movie made. Like right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm. You're showing that outside of words, that black masculinity is actually non-existent in Hollywood. That's all you're showing us, Spike. Yeah, that's all you're showing us. Yeah, you know, I mean, most masculine thing, the most uh, aggressive thing. I'm not gonna say masculine, but I see aggressive thing. The most Culturally, culturally re- re- relevant thing Spike has really done in years, <laughs> right, was so-called attempt to give out George Zimmerman's address a few years ago. <laughs> he fucked that up, but I admired it because I was like, well, damn, that's the most, you know, pookie throw a, win- a trash can in the window shit I've ever seen you do. You know, yeah. But he ended up having to walk that back. Yeah. And end up, you know, because he fucked it up. But what I'm saying is the attempt was unlike Spike to make a move like that. But ever since that, outside of that, outside of that one incident, you've never seen anything rebellious from Spike Lee. Yeah. And I, I think it's time to stop the facade, Spike. You know, like, you're not the tough-talking, rebellious Malcolm X filmmaker like you have led me and a lot of people to believe over the years. 
Yeah. I'm not I'm not for that. You know, I, I'm not cool with a black man who's a see a citizen his damn self busting a shot at a black man who was clearly railroaded. Like, come on, Spike Lee, of anybody, of anybody should know the nature of, of railroad treatment Bill Cosby got in that case. Mm-hmm. We don't have to go in, in depth, but if you pay a little attention to that case, you'll know that Cosby didn't get a fair trial and that Cosby got played with greatly in that case. Oh, yeah. And in addition to that, Spike, in addition to that, man, when Malcolm X was in production, and we can point out some of the, uh, like we use the term trignology, some of the observations of trignology that was in that movie. Mm-hmm. I still say it's one of the greatest movies ever made, in spite of that. Right. But facing the fact that Malcolm X faced a lot of production trouble during that during the time it was it was being filmed, facing the fact that Warner Brothers cut off the money pipeline to Spike Lee, mm-hmm. facing fact that Spike ran out of money essentially to make the goddamn movie, right? Facing the fact that it was Bill Cosby who got on the phone with a lot of black money in Hollywood and helped him get money to finish the damn movie. Right. If there's anything that I hate, man, that's expressed in anybody in any way or any sense, is is blatant disloyalty, especially unnecessary disloyalty. Right. If anything, man, you could have did something else with that criticism besides make it public like that. For somebody that actually helped your career, for somebody that actually helped you receive financing for the defining movie of your career, mm-hmm. he owed Bill a little bit more than that. No, I agree with that. He I'll owed Bill that. a little bit more. Yeah. Even if he felt what he felt. I mean, motherfucker, you felt that shit then. Like, I mean, Different World was well on the air when mm-hmm. Bill, when Malcolm X was being made. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? School days was long done when Malcolm X was being filmed. Being filmed, you didn't have that kind of problem with Bill Cosby when he was breaking you bread to get the movie done, and when he called Oprah and Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson to help you break bread for your movie, you didn't feel that animosity about no goddamn school days then. <laughs> Why is it an issue now, some thirty some years later, and the man is rotting away in prison? Yeah, that's a coward move. Yeah. That's a coward move, and I and I lost a lot of respect for. I've been losing respect for Spike, man, for for about for years now, for a few years. Yeah. But it's a quiet loss of respect mm-hmm. because of the respect I've had for him. Mm-hmm. But now I see, man, you just another goddamn celebrity that's tied to the Hollywood machine. You got that Oscar, so you've been blowing them enough to to get an Oscar, an honorary Oscar. It wasn't even an Oscar you earned. It was a charity Oscar they gave you. Yeah. That you accepted with with all happiness and glee. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And and now it's like you have progressively come more of an ambassador of black film, a weak one at that, and now a revolutionary. But that's how you got in the game, Spike. Mm-hmm. That's what put you on the map, is that you were an, an image of one that was rebellious with a camera to yeah. tell stories that were not typically told. You misled us, Spike. You misled us. Um, you let us down. And your last shit, six movies can attest to that. <laughs> That you've been letting us down for a long time, man, and I'm and I'm and I'm about done with it, man. I, I don't really want to do too much spike conversations because I really don't have much to say good about the brother that doesn't come past his old work. Yeah. No. Yeah. So it's frustrating to me. No. It's very I... frustrating. I came to this podcast a little pissed off, <laughs> as y'all could tell. <laughs> no, I, I I agree. I agree, man. It's it's one of those things like that's why. Um, 
uh, I thought it was important to to support Nate Parker um, when he was doing Birth of a Nation. That that was we we have a lot of people, black people in positions of power for filmmaking that are cowards. And Nate Parker isn't one. He's not a coward. I would agree agree with that. He's not a coward. Um, You know, we have to be okay and comfortable with doing things that are outside of the norm as filmmakers, as black filmmakers. We have to be okay with doing stuff that are seen as unconventional in order to get what we want. And that's to tell our stories the way they need to be told, not not with the with the hesitation, or not not with uh, um, that cowardice mindset. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and that that was that was one guy that I think we as as a um, as a people let down. Right. I, I I wholeheartedly believe that, and I I hope that people. Um, understand what it was that they um, missed out on supporting, and when he comes out with his next film, go and support him. And that's interesting you mentioned that about Nate, because even that connection that that is with Nate and Spike. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you remember or if you realize, but you know, Spike, on appearance, right, mm-hmm. jumped behind uh, Nate Parker's last film. I think that film went to Cannes. If I'm not mistaken, that's right. Um, it was one of those big film festivals. I don't. I'm. I may be cloudy on which one, but Nate Parker had a, a, a film that came out. The one that came out immediately after uh, uh, Birth of a Nation, right? Mm-hmm. Which really got no attention. I, I don't even know the name of it. I yeah. think I know it deals with a father in a police station, somebody trapped in the police station or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I know very little about it. But I know that the movie got very little attention. But Spike got behind Nate with that movie. Mm-hmm. And damn near literally just got behind him. I mean, he walked the red carpet with him, I guess. I mean, that's that's as much that I can say I really... I don't, he may have produced it. I don't know. I, I got to look that up. I don't know if Spike put any money in the movie. I believe he did. But my criticism, again, would be we need to have Spike... We Spike should be to us what Steven Spielberg is to uh, Jews. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and just overall, you know, just the, the white Hollywood establishment. Spike should be that one, you yeah. know. Um, and like I said, I don't know if Spike put money in Nate's last film, so I don't want to criticize him too much on that. But I will say that if, if that's all he did was just, you know, lend him his face and lend him his uh, celebrity, then it's sad that's all you would have to offer Spike to a filmmaker like Nate Parker. Now, if that wasn't the case, I'll walk that back. I apologize. I'm not perfect in every bit of my criticism. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And all of my criticism doesn't come from uh, a research place. Some of it does come from a very emotional place or a passionate place, I will say, instead of emotion. Mm-hmm. But I will say um, that, yeah, Spike, you're not very uh, you're not very reliable, man, as, as, a, as a representative of, of us behind the camera. And I'm disappointed, man. I am. I'm a little disappointed. Like, I, I can deal with the the fuck up, you know, from the Zimmerman. He gave out Zimmerman's address. Supposedly it wasn't his address. He fucked up. I, I can deal with that. I can deal with the fact that you had a totally uh, tone-deaf perspective to the death in Chicago with that Chirac 
shit. I can, I can deal with that. You know what I mean? But I can't really deal with... I, I can even deal with... I'll tell you a story. I can even deal with this, right? I'm, I, I met Spike one time. One time. I met Spike at Morehouse College. And okay. I happened to have a, a book that he wrote. It was a book I was reading um, at the time. It was uh, the book he wrote on Malcolm X. Because at one point in time in Spike's career, uh, and this is early, early Spike's career, he would have a companion book to just about every movie he put out. I think Spike's first five movies, I want to say, maybe five or six movies, each came out with a companion book. Um, that was kind of like dealing with the subject, of that, the, the behind the scenes of that movie and the subject matter of that movie. And Malcolm X had one. And um, I had that book. I was reading it at the time. Spike Lee was at Morehouse College, and I found out that he was there. And I just wanted Spike to sign the book. You know what I'm saying? I had the book with me. I said, well, damn, Spike's down here. Let me, you know, see if I can I can get down here. And I went to the event that he was at. And uh, I, I met him, had the book. It was his book. I mean, he saw the fucking book. He obviously knew it was his book. But he looked at me like I asked him for $25 or something. You know, when I... When I asked him to sign the book, he, he looked at me like I wanted to borrow some money. And I'm I'm like, man, like, you know, it's, this is your fucking book. This is your book. You know, I'm not giving you some shit that is not related to you. So I always kind of had an issue with that, but I never held that against him because, you know, he's a human being. Yeah. Right? He's a human being, and you're not supposed to look at people in terms that you don't necessarily look at yourself in. Mm-hmm. Um, and people have bad days. So I don't, I know that's just a side story. To let you know that I don't have anything really personal against Spike Lee, right. but my issue is, is is pretty much as a public representative of us, and particularly in the area of filmmaking, man, he's very, very, uh, very detached from our reality. Yeah, and I believe that the success he's received, and and bear in mind, Spike didn't come from a poor background, so I'm I'm pretty inclined to believe that Spike doesn't have much of a relationship. With a lot of the um, the day to day shit, I'll say yeah. that a lot of black men, uh, black men in particular, but black people in general deal with, and um, that was kind of obvious with his depiction of black violence in Chicago with the shit he gave us with Chirac. That he's very, de- un- you know, very detached and very removed from that, and it's not personal. It's just a body of shit that I've seen, and yeah, this whole bullshit, petty ass Bill Cosby criticism. That he gave it pushed me over the edge, man. Yeah, it pushed me over the edge. So that is what it is, D. Yeah, no, I I, I can understand that. That it it is very very understandable. We just we just have to we like I said before we have to be okay with um doing the unconventional things, and if that's if if part of that is calling out the the ones that are in power. Um, to do things the right way, then that's just what we have to do. You know, um, saying what needs to be said, doing what needs to be done, and moving forward. Right. But uh, and I, and I just want to observe this too, as far as how how how, and I'm want to move on. We can move on to the film, but um, I just want to observe this as well. Spike gave criticism at Cosby for taking the story of school days mm-hmm. for a different world. I just want to say as well, I've seen every damn episode of different world, probably two or three times over. Yeah. I've never walked away with a familiarity to school days ever. 
<laughs> so I, I, I don't relate to that. I don't understand Spike's observation on that. Yeah. Um, but secondly, though, it's funny. It's real funny for, to hear him even say some shit like that because, go again, another personal story. I would say about seven years ago, I was um, in talks with a, a black radio host, a black disc jockey. He was from Atlanta, mm-hmm. a black radio host from Atlanta. His name was Ralph from Ben Hill. Now, a lot of people from Atlanta know Ralph from Ben Hill. If you're not from Atlanta, then you have no clue of what the hell I'm talking about. But mm-hmm. Ralph from Ben Hill, and Ben Hill is a black section of Atlanta. Yeah. Um, Ralph from Ben Hill was a radio host that was, that was pretty popular, I would say, during, uh, during the late 80s, early 90s in Atlanta. Anyway, um, I was involved with a documentary that some people were producing on his life. And through the research process, we discovered that it was actually his life, Ralph, Ralph from Ben Hill. It was actually his life that Spike got a lot of this, the plot structure for school days. Oh, wow. Are you serious? I mean, this the dude I'm talking about, Ralph from Ben Hill, he was actually a student on the Morehouse campus. He actually had a brother that was on the Morehouse campus who was uh, very pro-black. He was, And it was very uh, instrumental in a lot of the protests nature that was on the more I mean this this was all his story never gave his brother credit for it. as a matter of fact one of the things that because he was I, I don't know if he's still alive now but uh during our conversations with him that's one of the things that he told that he was very public about is that you know Spike took a lot of my story for that school day script never gave me credit for it and here this motherfucker comes and wants to scream <laughs> on Bill Cosby through Twitter about somebody jacking him from something yeah. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, I confronted Spike on Instagram during that time about that. I asked him about that, and he confirmed it. That, yeah, everybody knows I took the story, you know, that I didn't live that shit. I got it from an uh, experience that he learned from this gentleman, Ralph, uh, Ralph from Ben Hill's story, when he went to Morehouse College. So the hypocrisy of this shit is, 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 is just ridiculous, man, which makes man. Spike borderline ridiculous. Yeah, Like, he's become a character of the it must be the shoes motherfucker that he was working with Michael Jordan on back in the day like you've literally just become a character of a black filmmaker yeah of really himself you know and uh, it's disappointing man and I, I really have no hope in in anything and this is where I guess a lot of people would disconnect with me on but I have no hope for people like Spike man I don't I have no hope for him um, I think that you're pretty much are what you are. Mm-hmm. You've gotten, you've gotten, you're comfortable in life, and now you're willing to sacrifice your own people at any extent to uh, to stay relevant to the machine. You know, you want to keep getting them Oscars. You want to keep getting the Oscar attention and Oscar buzz. And this is what you do to stay in that conversation. And it's disappointing, Spike. And you're a hypocrite because, like I said, you took the damn story of school days from uh, a radio, a black radio jockey, a talk show host that you never gave credit to. Mm-hmm. And for you to criticize Bill Cosby for that, make sure you're a hypocrite. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No chase film society. You got anything for that, D? I, I, I think that's. I'm good. I had to get that off the chest. Bro. Nah, it's it's per, that's perfectly fine, bro. Yeah, yeah perfectly so. fine. That's where we are with that. So, uh, yeah, we saw Coffee and Kareem. We both saw that. Uh, I saw it today. Yes, I think sir. you saw it yesterday. No, I watched it. I watched it today. Oh, we both saw it today. All right, so mm-hmm. it was a pretty fresh day. Yeah. All right, so Coffee and Kareem, we're going to be talking about that um, next. 
right after this trailer, and that's it, the trailer. So with that said, let me get my head together, man, after this Spike Lee shit. I'm going to leave y'all with this trailer. We're going to be right back with this feature presentation conversation on uh, Netflix's Coffee and Kareem. You have the right to remain silent! Aren't you trained for shit like this? Let's do this. What the... Kareem needs to go by a friend's house after school. And he asked that you pick him up. When my mom dated this one guy, we became BFFs. You were BFFs with a grown-ass man? There's literally documentaries on Netflix about why that's so sick and fucked up. I think that's a different... You expect us to be BF... Fuck out of my face, man. Uh, good talk. Welcome back to my channel. I remember when I told you about that white cop who was humping my mom? Well, now you see what happens when you fuck with me. Pig stuck his dick in the wrong blanket. Hey, Stan, that you've been talking about to kill. Oh, shit! Hey, who's back there? Green, run! Your dick is rubbing against my ass. Well, then turn towards me. I don't want to rub dicks either. Is everything okay? This all started when your son tried to have me killed because he saw us having sex this morning. Now the most dangerous drug dealers in Detroit are trying to kill us. Oh, what did I date a white guy? My friend Sharon was right. All of you are fucked up. Go, go, go! It's the police! Just, but don't touch shit. No fingerprints. Thank you. Oh, no! The Yeah, this is my fucking scene right here. Tell your mom we went to Chuck E. Cheese. To be honest, women scare the shit out of me. I mean, where do you even start? Excuse me, my friend here would like to practice talking with a lady. Tell me about yourself. I was born and raised in Detroit, and I have an associate's degree in biology, and I'm studying to be a veterinarian. How much you look at you? No. Get out the way. Get out the way. Get out the way. All right, 2020s uh, came out this year. As a matter of fact, uh, a couple of days ago, Netflix film Coffee and Kareem, starring Ed Helms as Coffee, Officer Coffee. Taraji P. Henson is in this one, uh, sleepwalking through it. Terrence <laughs> Little Garden High, I guess that's his last name, uh, plays Kareem. And uh, also we got a couple of appearances from David Allen Greer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that, those are pretty much all the noteworthy ones in here. But um, this one is directed by a director I'm not very familiar with, Michael Douse, or Douse, Douse, and written by... A guy named Shane Matt. Um, all right, go with Coffee and Kareem. All right, this one is a look at this one within the tradition of uh, what's that movie that came out? It's a movie that came out in the 70s called Bad News Bears. I don't know if you saw that one, D, but no, I've uh, heard of it though. I know what it is. Yeah, yeah, I want to say it came out in like the 70s, maybe the early 80s or something called Bad News Bears. And that was like one of the first movies that really showed kids cussing. So there's a little oh, niche. Yeah. For uh, for profane, you know, movies with kids that profane using profanity. There's one that came out recently. Uh, what's that called? What's the, what's that called? It had a 
little black kid in it. I think it was called Bad Kids or something like that. Um, Who was in it? I don't know. I don't know. Let's look that up. Uh, let's see movies. But anyway, we'll get to that. But uh, I want to say it's called Bad Boys or Bad Kids or something like that. But yeah, this is one of those movies that come in that in that vein. You know, you got a foul mouth black kid who is uh, teamed up or forced to be teamed up with a uh, a dunce ass, stupid ass cop who's played by Ed Helms, and he plays uh, Coffee. I think the name guy's name is uh, James Coffee in the movie. And through his, uh, he's forced to be linked up with him because he wants to get his ass kicked. You know, the, the black kid attempts to get uh, James Coffee uh, fucked up in the movie because he discovered he was having sex with his mother, who is played by Taraji Henson. So Taraji Henson is in this interracial relationship with this dumbass cop who's literally like a, a real dunce-ass uh, pushover cop. And the, her son, her black son, Kareem, doesn't like him. You know, he has a little disdain for him, so he sets him up to get hurt. And through that, uh, we see, uh, again, a, a cat-and-mouse situation ensues where some uh, corrupt cops were mixed up with some fake street dudes, some weird, very weird off-brand street dudes that was in this and you know it's 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 just a it's just a mess of a plot to an extent and, and it's very familiar very familiar plot you know it's it's um it's supposed to be given in the tradition of like even in some of the artwork you see some of the uh the artwork that resembles uh 48 albums which is the movie with eddie murphy yeah and nick nolte you know they try to play that off uh they got some bruce willis shit i'm seeing a Bruce Willis diehard uh, image they try to... I mean, it's, it's just weird. The whole concept is like Cop and a Half. I don't know if you've ever seen that shitty-ass movie yeah. called Cop and a Half. <laughs> but it, it's it's just a, a profane version, a weirdo version of Cop and a Half. And I don't, I don't know that last movie that I was trying to think of, but it was a movie that came out uh, a couple years ago that was based on a bunch of kids that, that was real profane. So that's a lane now in Hollywood. You know, it kids is. who talk nasty and shit, cuss yeah. and shit. That's on Lane, and this is a film that's very much in that lane. So, uh, yeah, there you go, D. Yeah, I um, I thought you know that parts of it were funny. Um, I can't lie. Um, but like you said, it was pretty much, it was predictable. <laughs> it was it was, you knew it was going to happen. You knew how it was going to turn out. Um. I thought I thought parts of it were funny though. The the kid, I'll say this about um, Kareem. Um, this kid, he he, I think he has a future in comedy. I think he does. Uh, his name Terrence Little, uh, Garden High. I th I think he has a future in comedy. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm. <sighs> I don't I'm not I'm not one to say that that I gravitate toward films like this. Um this is one of those other films that I heard recently where people were saying oh this is trash. I don't think this is trash. I think this is I think it's a fun movie especially for this time. Um while we're in quarantine, I think it's fun to watch. Um That's pretty much all I have to say about it. It's it's not a. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
I'm I'm trying to find something good to say about it. Uh, I like Taraji, um, as an actor, but I didn't think she was necessary for this film. She slept through this movie, man. Yeah, this was this seemed like to be this seemed like one of those roles where you show up for like three days and you do your parts and go home. Like she this, played typical Taraji. Though. She, you yeah, know, she, she did. She had she had them Taraji tropes. You know, yeah. uh, I'm a mad black woman. I'll kick your ass. You know, don't fuck with a black woman's baby. You know mm-hmm. that those are Taraji. You know, isms. Yes, and again, like like I talked to you about before. Uh, I think last the last episode, there are actors that are just one dimensional, and. I'm starting to feel like she she is a part of that. Um because again, like like you just said, she just plays these typical roles of a of a angry black woman. And and I'm starting to get really frustrated with her with that because I think she has um the ability to do much more than that. Uh she has range. It's just that she just somehow some way finds herself in these roles all the time and i i, I right. i'm not down with that I, I i can't um i can't get with that with her i i really can't mm-hmm. it, it, it's disturbing to be honest um but i would like to see more from her uh in different types of, of roles david allen greer he's David what Allen a horrible Greer. role! It was, but yeah, that wasn't a good role for him. I, I didn't. What a horrible role! I think they could have actually expounded on that role. To be honest, I, I, I was. That's what I was actually kind of disappointed about with this film. Um, he was more so just like a, a piece to just steer the 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 story plot into a different direction, mm-hmm. and he wasn't utilized properly. Um. And I was actually disappointed because I didn't know he was even in this movie. So yeah, that that um, I I really don't have much to say about this movie. It, it's it's a fun movie for the, for the quarantine, um, but that's about it. They didn't film this for quarantine though, and, right. and that's where that's where I have an issue with this because there are going to be so many people that go and watch this movie just because they're home. Mm-hmm. That. Netflix is going to say, "Hey, let's do this, that, and the other." Whether that's making a sequel or making a a, a spinoff or making a, a a series spinoff, whatever, whatever, whatever the the direction they go with this, it's going to be because so many people are at home and just have nothing else to do. Um, that they're going to get a lot of play with this, and that's what I right. don't like. I feel that. I feel that. Um, well, I disagree with you a little bit on the Taraji Henson thing. Let me let me start with that. Okay. Um, I do think Taraji has played some pretty versatile roles, and I will say that she she has stretched out at you know within her career. Yeah, she definitely but, has. Now, but, yeah, she she so 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 I wouldn't call this um, typical, but it is a consistent character uh body of character that she plays and th- that cookie uh, from empire shit mm-hmm. kind of has followed her you see what i'm saying so in that yeah. respect um even though there, there are some movies that we can point out that 
she she has definitely stepped out of that. I'm not so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it like that, but I would say this is a little bit of a consistency for her. This this type of uh, this type of role, mm-hmm. and and it was really and it wasn't even done that well, you know. It yeah. wasn't even done well. Yeah. Um. Again, I think she just kind of barely showed up in this movie. For her to be Taraji Henson, actually, this was a step down for her. I, I didn't really see this um, within the 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 lane that she's normally been going in. I mean, she's she's pretty much held down her own movies the last couple of years. So I was. I don't know. I was a little uh, set back to see her to play this this type of role. You know, this seemed like more of a role that was um, for somebody a little bit more up and coming. Yes. You know, than Taraji. I don't think she brought anything to it. You know, outside of the typical black woman shit. But that, what was there you, for her to bring to this role? That's another thing. What, I mean, it was it was a, it was an odd role. You know, what I mean, here it is. You have a you have a, a woman who is a very much a black woman. Who's in a weird ass interracial relationship with this goofy ass cop, um, but she's actually fucking with him, and literally she's screwing him in the movie. Yeah. So you see that there's a there's a, a a relationship that she's taking serious with this dude, but at the same time, at another part of the movie, um, which we'll talk about I guess a little later, she clearly uh, expresses regret for something that she knows is not like her. To, to rock with a white dude like this. You know, not mm-hmm. I'm not here to shit on interracial relationships. That's not what I'm trying to do. But I'm just saying that uh, <laughs> this character that Taraji played was not consistent with uh, the interracial relationship shit that she was in with this guy. Yeah. I saw two different people. Yeah. Um, with, with the, but at the same time, though, I will say this. That's not a crime because this is a ridiculous comedy. Yeah. And it's kind of meant to be a ridiculous comedy. And this is one of those movies that kind of takes advantage of the fact that, okay, I'm a comedy, I'm meant to make you laugh, so my plot structure, it does not really have to be solid or any type of way really coherent. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's not a movie to be taken seriously, which is another reason why it's a bit of a step down for Taraji. I'm not saying that she can't play comedy. She can play comedy. Yeah. You know, she, she's good within comedy and drama. But this right here seemed to have a mediocre tone to it and her being in it didn't really add anything to the movie. So my most disappointing character in the film has to be her. The kid uh, was not really good. You could tell you're dealing with a kid that doesn't really have much chops um, in, in this comedy, action comedy lane. I'm not taking that from him. He's a kid. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, there, there was a lot of development that you wanted. It was, it was one particular scene where, you know, he was laughing at his own performance. And you can kind of tell. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, the scene where the dude who played uh, he, the kid, the guy that was on uh, Sister Sister, the black guy who was the. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ron Racio Lee. Ron yeah. Racio Lee. I guess that's his name. Um, he, you know, it was a scene where he was pretty much about to kill him. He pulled the gun on him. Mm-hmm. And he was pretty much. Uh, set to kill uh coffee and his his mom and kareem but uh you know the little kid was talking shit to him and it was a scene that he was very very playful with and he was almost out of character he was so damn playful yeah so there was there's some acting discipline you could tell this kid doesn't have um again you know but it was fitting for a mediocre movie again it, i'm not gonna say it wasn't entertaining it had some entertaining points to it you know but 
it was typical entertainment shit. You know, yeah. typical, typical entertainment based shit. Uh, a lot of hyper homoerotic dialogue, man. Yeah. Uh, more than I've seen yeah. <laughs> in a movie in a long time. Like, I want to say damn near a third of the script was, was talking about guys fucking guys. Like, on a, on a, yeah. uh, like, in a weird sense. You know, like, there was some odd dialogue this, this kid was having with this grown-ass cop where this kid was basically coaching him on how to talk homosexual insults, hyper-homosexual insults. Yeah. And that thread is played throughout the whole movie, like damn near to the end. You know, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's very homoerotic comedy that I don't find very funny. But, um, you know, it, it, was, it was pretty much obviously something that amused the writer. Uh, what's his name? Shane Black. Mm-hmm. Shane Shane Mack. Shane Mack uh, is the writer, and he really gets off on dick jokes and jokes about balls and all this other weird shit. <laughs> that was a big part of the script. You know, it was a lot of homoerotic comedy yeah. that I didn't find funny. Um, another element of this movie, and it's to be expected, and this is the right day to catch me on this shit, <laughs> to talk about this. But, you know... <laughs> okay, so... Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm convinced. The I'm I'm just convinced that the more stereotypical you can get about black people in Hollywood, yeah. the the quicker they will finance your shit. I oh, mean, yeah. I I think that there is a a real taste for these movies that got this 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 I would say it's fucked up, uh, racially insensitive humor yeah. with this shit. Like, okay, let's 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 send this to Hollywood, right? And let's send this to all the black people affiliated with Hollywood. Uh, black police violence or violence at the hand of cops towards black people is not funny. Not at all. You know, I, I don't find the humor in that shit. Not and this movie really took some serious attempts at that. Yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, down to the, uh, oh, my God, what was it? Oh, the the the, the nerdy uh, black dude that was in the V-neck sweater. That, that guy is caught that. Yeah. Driving the Cadillac with the muffins, yeah. right? You know, and him. Oh, you got a, you got your hand on your gun. I'm a black dude. You got your hand, like you know that. That to me tells me that you're aware of a fucking problem. That's a detriment to our life, and it really has no effect on your conscience. That's what that tells me. When and you can light of approach it. and making light of it, right? It tells me you first of all you're aware of the shit. Mm-hmm. You know it's a real thing, but to you you find it to be amusing. You yep. see what I'm saying? And that, to me, as a viewer, is always a problem. You know, because you, you don't get away with jokes about the Holocaust in no fucking movie. Try that shit. Just try oh, yeah. it. Oh, yeah. I, I, I want to try that shit. Try, yeah. try jokes about the Holocaust. Try jokes about Hitler. You know what I mean? Try try making jokes in light about uh, uh, Hiroshima mm-hmm. with America you know, bombing Hiroshima and the Japanese. Make jokes about that shit. Go for it. I want to see how that tone is accepted. But when it comes down to a very present... Holocaust, so to speak, or a very present threat type of Holocaust, or a very present threat with black men, black men in particular, which is you know police violence and death at the hands of law enforcement. There's open season on on making jokes and and create all the lighthearted content about that shit you wanted to. Again, that's Hollywood for you. Yeah, that's Hollywood for you. And you get that in this movie. You get that in this movie, and I think it's kind of disgusting, uh, and I don't like it. And it took away from the entertainment value of the movie. Um, yes. Another thing about it is this coffee guy, right? Mm-hmm. So, 
he he he's a weird character in this movie. We talked about the phenomenal white man in on this movie. Uh, um, excuse me, on this podcast also last week. I, I brought out my concept that I see in films, which is the phenomenal white man. Um, the white man that just overcomes every fucking obstacle, every fucking time by means that are only known to him. Yeah. You know, and phenomenal motherfuckers like him. So we we get that. And this is the, probably the first time I've really noticed it. Um, I know it's not the first, but probably the first time I've noticed it, where you got a, a imbecile, idiotic white man who still comes out the phenomenal white man and doing the phenomenal shit. Yeah. Uh, Coffee was an idiot in this movie. And and his consequences for him being so stupid, I never really realized, you know, because of, I guess, the brilliant writing of Shane Mack, uh, the screenwriter. <laughs> but... You know, this dude is a fucking idiot in this movie. But you still see his <laughs> his racist streak, his 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 propensity for racism. And I'm gonna tell you the scene, right? Which is really a fucked up scene. Now, but okay, I'm gonna tell you the, the funniest scene of the movie, and I'm gonna then give you the most fucked up scene of the movie. The funniest scene in the movie is when that kid takes the shit out of his mama. That shit was hilarious. <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you that's worth, that's worth the whole movie. I ain't gonna lie, man. He Just, dropped ass, and that shit was funny as hell. That's, yeah, I, I, I didn't want to laugh at that. Uh, oh, I did. I Just, laughed out loud. I, I didn't want to laugh at that because I was like, I man. I, I, thought, I, I thought about that. I was like, man, if I ever tease my mom, oh, my God. <laughs> he did it with the quickness, man. He did, I mean, man. He was in full-blown mama-slash-bitch mode, and he just neutralized her ass. Yeah, I, and it, this, that was funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I did I did like that. I ain't gonna lie. But the worst scene in this fucking movie, bro, was probably supposed to be a joke. But the worst scene in this movie is um, once they tased Taraji Henson's character, which was Kareem's mom, they tased her because she was, she realized or she was under the impression that Coffee had kidnapped her son, when in actuality her son created this, this, this big scheme that ended up failing to get Coffee's ass kicked. I mentioned that in the plot earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, the shit blew up in, they, in both their faces. Taraji is now seeing that this dude is being reported on the news as a kidnapper, and she's losing her shit because she doesn't know who this guy is anymore. At least that's what she's thinking. So as she's losing her shit, like I said, Kareem, uh, Terrence, little Garden High's character, snatches uh, the cop, Coffee's uh, stun gun, and shoots the shit out of his mama with it, right? Mm-hmm. Knocks her the hell out. So she's knocked out. Uh, up until the, you know, pretty much throughout the entire duration of the movie, to the point where they're now running from these goons who, <clears throat> who have uh, sniffed out their location. Mm-hmm. And they locked her up in the room, right, and had her locked down. Um, to you know, after they left and did whatever they had to do to try to uh, catch these 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 corrupt cops who was in in bed with these street dudes on some dope shit. Uh, there was now. There, I will say this on that note: there was a a lady, an actress, rather uh, Betty Giplin, who who played Detective Watts. Mm-hmm. Uh, she actually played. That was a decent role. I, I liked her role. I'm not gonna lie. I liked her. I kind of liked the role she played. I never heard of her. Never really seen her before. I don't believe. But I do like that Betty Giplin, uh, or Betty, uh, yeah, Gliplin Gilpin, Gilpin, Betty Gilpin. I do like that Detective Watts character she played. Um, so Detective Watts, all of them are dirty. Everybody on the police force associated with with this shit, with this film so far, are dirty. And 
Kareem and Coffee go on the chase to try to bust this shit down. They leave Taraji Henson, the mother, uh, chained to the bathroom. She's still knocked out uh, from the from the taser. But um, when they get back to the room, they are under the impression that she was kidnapped. You remember that scene, right? Yeah. Because she uh, she's she's not there in the room when they get back. And during that scene, right, mm-hmm. when they get back to the room to uh, to link back up with the mom, when they discover that she's gone, they feel like she's kidnapped. During a rift, there's an exchange that takes place between Kareem and Coffee, and uh, Kareem tells Coffee, "You're not my dad." And this motherfucker responds back, "Well, <laughs> your dad left you, or some shit like that, right? Like your dad left and <laughs> abandoned you." And, that's why I'm here. And dude was like, my dad didn't, didn't leave. He died of cancer. You know, some shit like that, right? <laughs> yeah. Which which was a very interesting role, uh, uh, scene, right? Which I think was the worst scene of the fucking movie because you got this dude just walking around like, okay, first of all, you're fucking his mom. Yeah. So to what extent are you invested in his mom <laughs> where you are not really aware of what the hell is going on with her kid's dad? Right. Exactly. You just assume that, you know, well, you know, your, your daddy left you. Your daddy abandoned your black ass. So that's why I'm here. Like, no, my dad died of cancer. That's That was the kid's response. So I, I just felt like that was very slick. Again, that trichnology. Mm-hmm. That was some of that side night. That was some very slick shit <laughs> that they were able to to kind of subliminally, subliminally show you in this film that there are these undertones, man, of, of, of stereotypical common racism that exists even in, in 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 white dudes who date interracially and get black ass and hang out with black people. There's still these seeds, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. that come out from time to time. So I, I thought that that scene kind of portrayed that. It was a horrible scene, you know, in the movie. Yeah. Very interesting scene. But another bad scene was um, the police captain Hill. Yeah, which was yeah. played by David Allen Greer, right? Mm-hmm. Now, here's a black man in authority. I'm, I'm going to show you the racial bullshit and everything. This is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, there's a, a scene where you got the black police captain who's trying to bring order to the goddamn uh, situation that there's, a, that there's a rift between Coffee and the detective I just mentioned, uh, Detective Watts, who was dirty in the film, uh, come to find out that, you know, oh, uh, what we do, like you said, very predictable shit. Uh, captain Hill, David Allen Grizz's character, is also dirty mm-hmm. in the film. So the police force in Detroit, the movie takes place in Detroit. So this damn near entire police force in Detroit is wrapped up in this corruption. And when you hear David Allen Greer's character, which again, is supposed to be comedic, but you got a black dude who's the captain, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's over the detective, but you know, of course he's a cokehead in the movie. He says he loves cocaine. He goes on about how he loves cocaine and, you know, how he was very open about his corruption and this shit, and he's the captain of the police force, but, you know, ultimately he gets his head blown off by who? Uh, Detective Watts. You know, she just kills the shit out of him. So, like, black life is handled very loosely in this movie. You yeah. know, black, there's literally a black dude who gets blown to fucking pieces in this, like, literally. Yeah. He gets blown to fucking pieces <laughs> in yeah. this movie, and his head is just kicked off of a pile of cocaine like a soccer ball. She just bounced his head, his his decapitated, <laughs> blown off fucking head, just out of the way, <laughs> like it wasn't shit. You know, like these yeah. are the images that you gotta subject yourself to on Netflix. Yeah. You know, so 
<sighs> this movie again, like I, I'm not gonna say I didn't. I laughed at the Tay scene. I, that's probably the only scene I really laughed at, though, D, to be honest with you. So yeah. I'm not gonna say this movie was funny because I only laughed at really one scene. Yeah, it was when Taraji got her ass, you know, electrocuted. But besides that, um, you had a movie that really wanted to be funny. It used all of the low blow bullshit of black image. Um, including the the the, the uh, imbecile gangsters. You had stupid street goons in this movie. Mm-hmm. How many times have we seen that shit? You know, the, the street goons were just too damn stupid to be street goons, and really a bunch of cowards. And in in you know, so we, we we got that with I don't even know the characters' names in this who played those guys. They were relatively uh, new actors, but you had a couple of actors who played along with. Uh, Ron Racio Lee's uh, character, Orlando Johnson is his name. Again, Orlando Johnson, we know him from Sister Sister. That's mm-hmm. what I really say I call him from. But he had a couple of black actors, a, plus, a couple of goons in the movie who were idiotic. You know, they, they weren't very intelligent. So you got that. So, you know, their lives weren't very, wasn't very, uh, wasn't very uh, highly portrayed in this movie. Like I said, one of them got literally blown to fucking pieces. In this movie, we had, to, and you saw that shit. So again, black life, uh, just the, the the approach to to uh, violence in black people was very heavy-handed in this movie. Like I said, the dudes who were supposed to be an authority of, of the film, the Captain Hill, David Allen Greer, he just gets shot in the fucking head. And this is all comedy. This is all just good old-fashioned comedy mm-hmm. that you know you're gonna find for Netflix. So uh, the end of this movie. Which, like I said, the plot is ridiculous. I, that's why I didn't really have a serious approach to even breaking down this fucking plot because the plot was was really ridiculous. Which is okay if it was a funny movie. You know, ridiculous yeah. plot you can deal with if it's funny. Yeah. But you know, this was ridiculous in plot, and it wasn't that funny. It was very low on jokes, and the humor they tried to go after was the lowbrow, you know, uh, niggerfied shit. If I may use, I say a cracker. <laughs> like I'm sure I can do it at this point. <laughs> But uh, the niggerfied approach to to this shit was uh, was very vivid. You had the black kid who wanted to be a rapper. His aspiration was to be a rapper, which of course justified his foul, fucked up demeanor because he wanted to be a rapper, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, when it comes time for him to uh, have a poetry recital in class, he gives uh, fucked up, filthy ass rap lyrics directed at his at his teacher. Yeah. That's that's the level of. Uh, a black kid that you get, again, you get the the, uh, the corrupt black captain who gets his head blown off. Uh, you got two or three black goons. That's stupid as hell. You know, there's just really nothing to see here, man. There's just nothing. <laughs> it's not much to see here. So uh, this really was a vehicle for Coffee, uh, who is the guy from The Office, Ed Helms. Who, yeah. You know, my son likes Ed Helms on The Office. So oh, you know, I love The Office. Yeah, you know, yeah. That's, that's his shit. Yeah. But uh, as far as this character right here, dude, you... You dropped the ball on this one, Ed. You know, there's it, nothing really to see here, man. But you can tell this is supposed to be a vehicle for him. I don't see why Taraji Henson had to had to play alongside this guy. He definitely wasn't worthy of that. There were other black actresses, actresses who could have came along um, and held this role down with, with a lot more competency than Taraji. You know, Taraji brought way too much credibility to this shitty-ass film. Yeah. So, And, and I'm saying shitty because... You know, it 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 just it just failed as a comedy. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. You know, there was some 
funny parts that, that, that Derek had mentioned. Um, I only can really seriously say one that I really found genuinely funny. But, uh, yeah, this, this vehicle just wasn't worth to Roger Henson, man. You know, it wasn't worth to Roger Henson. So um, I would say this, man. I, I wish I knew the, the name of the movie uh, with the kids. Let me see. I'm going to look it up. But um, I, I would say, man, you know, I, I, I wouldn't worry about this one, society. I really wouldn't. Nah, nah. I wouldn't really worry about this one. Um, Cause I, I can't even say just watch it to laugh because I didn't get any. I can't. I didn't laugh from it. I didn't find very much funny from it. No, nah, there were there were like, I think I, I'm more so just laughed at certain dialogue. It wasn't even like uh, specific moments that, um, I can't even say laugh. I mean, maybe chuckled is the word. Cause there wasn't out. Like what you're saying, there was really nothing that was truly funny. Not like when I think of comedy, I think of things that that really make me laugh. Like like Half Baked was mm-hmm. hilarious. You know what I'm saying? Um, there, yeah, there there are movies that that I would I wouldn't mind so much um, um, the stereotypes being shown i wouldn't mind it as much if the story actually made sense or 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 was developed properly right um because there you know stereotypes are going to happen in films anyway so we have to kind of like you know understand that like it's just going to happen some people are, are are that's just what their their wheelhouse is and that's just where they're they're comfortable being um, I like thinking outside the box when, when I, when I, when I'm, uh, either when I'm creating a story or when I'm actually, uh, picking a story to, to, to read or mm-hmm. to, uh, to watch. Mm-hmm. I like the outside of the box type of things. Um, this wasn't done well enough to say, okay, I can forgive the stereotypes. I like, I, I can't, I can't, this was not done well at all. Right. I mean, I'm I'm with you on that. I don't mind stereotypes um, being a part of a story or a script or whatever, but how you display them um, and the attention behind them is what really matters. Yeah. You know, this one right here clearly was searching for comedy and searching for a body of humor, and they relied a whole lot on stereotypes. I mean, the whole thing about, you know, just assuming the absentee father is the situation mm-hmm. um with why the kid didn't have a father uh, the 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 young black kid who had rap dreams and all that bullshit um you know the the level the the, the rapper actually there was a rapper uh portrayed in this movie by uh the Orlando character he was a pretty much a failed rapper who ultimately was a failed street dude I mean there's a bunch of shit that that you know we're all too familiar with yeah um and is limited to a lot of black stories. You got a lot of that with this movie. The movie I was talking about is Good Boys, by the way. Good Boys, okay. Yeah, Good Boys. Uh, it's another, you know, movie with foul mouth kids, and that was actually pretty funny. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I I would recommend that one over this one. Yeah. You know, if you want to see something that's out the box and you know deals with you know kids that's playing in adult contexts and shit, you know, I I do understand the humor in that, mm-hmm. but um, this didn't do the trick, man. Just didn't no. do it. Nah. So yeah, if you if you if you want to see something instead, 
uh, that I would recommend over this, I would say the film would be Good uh, Good Boys. And that movie came out, I want to say, uh, last year. So, yeah, check that out. Um, get around to this when you can. I don't particularly recommend it, Society. And that's where I'll leave that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... So anyway, uh, folks, with that, uh, we got, again, just to give an announcement, an additional announcement, we have the Tupac Filmography, the six-part podcast series that we're launching. It's going to be the first podcast series uh, launched and produced by OTS, which is uh, our host and our provider, you know, our, our parent platform provider, um, and No Chase Film Society. This will be the first podcast series that we approach and it's going to be like i said six parts where we analyze and discuss each of uh tupac Shakur's six feature length films um we're going to start with gridlock and one more we're going to try to release two at a time i'm not going to tell you the second one and we because basically we want y'all to follow us on instagram so please the the majority of these updates you're going to get particularly with the uh tupac filmography podcast series you're gonna to have to get online as far as social media so follow us uh ots uh these ots guys right the yeah at ots OT, guys at, at, at ots guys on instagram uh you can also follow nc the letters n and the letter c film society on ig follow those pages man and you will get all the exclusive all the uh, up to the minute drops on that particular podcast series i got a couple of guests we reached out to uh, one is confirmed. One very special guest I'm working on um, that can help because we want to add different voices to this. It just right. you know I don't want it to be just me and Derek uh, with this. We got different voices. We plan on giving y'all some hopefully of voices close to the actual projects that we're talking about. Yeah. But uh, please check that out. You know, watch out for that. We got one coming to y'all real soon, as soon as this week. Um, and again, it's called Tupac Filmography a six-part podcast series where we discuss and analyze the entire filmography of uh, the icon, the late, the great one, Tupac Shakur. Also, um, there is a particular way that I'm asking everybody to rock with uh, the society, No Chase Film Society, and it would actually, uh, I would actually consider y'all members if y'all can do this for me. If y'all can go, now we have, now right now, D, we are on, that I can recall, three streaming uh platforms podcast platforms mm -hmm. correct me if i'm wrong i know we can definitely get on apple where you get all the season breakdown and shit yeah. you know what i mean you can you can see that on apple um we definitely on apple <laughs> we definitely on spotify mm -hmm. which is uh one of the ones i use consistently and i just discovered us on google Podcasts. so you can get on google Podcasts, and there's a couple of others out there just google us man yeah but those are three definitely that we're on if you all would do me the favor Go subscribe, first of all. Go subscribe to our podcast on any of those platforms. If you could do that, or once you do that, screenshot the actual subscribe notification, the, the subscribe box, wherever it tells you that you're subscribed at. Once you subscribe, screenshot that, post it on your IG, tag NC Film Society on that, and I promise you, you will have priority on every contest. We'll shout your name out on here if that's what you want. We'll give you priority on everything affiliated with it, with No Chase Film Society. That will be one sure way that we start looking at y'all as uh, members and it's gonna help us engage with y'all, you know, a little bit. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, just do that for us, man. Don't be an asshole. Just go ahead and, <laughs> you know, reach out, show a little love. You know what I mean? Most um, but we, we definitely appreciate y'all up until this point as we create this product for y'all and, and give y'all a place to, you know, have free-flowing, unfiltered, uncensored, uh, as we say, no chase, film critique and conversation. We want to bring y'all more a part of this. Please come along with us as we do this for the Tupac filmography as well as rock with us on IG. And uh, also there's a social media, I mean, a Facebook page that Derek has. I'm not on the Facebook. I don't really do the Facebook yeah. very much. So, uh, Derek, I'll let you put out the Facebook information. Well, it's, uh, at OTS Guys on every social media platform, um, you'll find it. Um, there's actually a group page um, that is attached to the main page on Facebook. The group page, we are on there talking all day, every day. Um uh, discussing different things like film, uh, uh, sports, gaming, music, um, sneakers. So just, uh, yeah, just find us on there, you know, join up and, and, you know, let us hear you, hear your thoughts. So there you go. Facebook, IG, we on there, man. Rock with us, please. Uh, you know, it benefits all of us overall. So most definitely. Gl glad you're here. Glad we have you here. Um, all right, D, well, another one for the books, bro. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So those of y'all listening, uh, again, follow us. Check out what we're talking about. Uh, check out our next movie as we announce it on, uh, on IG. And until then, watch a damn movie. No chase. We done with it.